0: Rashawn Ali, everybody's homegirl, everybody's favorite soror, the Cool Soar, representing the ATL and the east side of Decatur. What's happening? Five, four, three, three. Okay, here we go. It's the Cool Soar Podcast, hosted by me, Rashawn Ali. Hey, it's another edition of the Cool Sore podcast. I am your host, Rashawn Ali, and this is the opportunity for us to interview women and men in black Greek letter organizations. And today, you know, I, I was in the makeup chair earlier and I had a moment. I had a moment where she had to, like, wipe my tears a little bit because, you know, the person I'm about to introduce you to needs no introduction. But I've always will call him my vessel. Because I feel like God used him as a vessel to literally jumpstart and curate my career. So without further ado, I ain't going to get emotional. I'm not going to say the next 30 minutes I might not get emotional. Ryan Cameron
1: is joining the show. Hello.
0: Hi. uh, Hi. Hey, Rashawn. How
1: are you? I, I'm, I'm great. It's the best day of my life.
0: Oh, wow! Cause you got up this morning. That's right. Yeah. You know. Perspective. Always. Yes, yes, and you are a cool bruh of what fraternity?
1: I mean, you know, I mean, come on, man.
0: You came in here all on, pretty. On, come on, I bro. mean.
1: And one time, I one, time one, one time for the noobs. You one already know. The one time for the noobs. Yes. You know, Theta Capital, West Georgia. You know what it is. Yes. National Grand Step Team Champion. You know, past pole mark. All those things. The accolades are endless. Are they? But we'll stop.
0: We'll stop right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just. Uh, I'm happy that uh, we finally made this happen. I've been wanting you for a long, long time.
1: Congratulations on this. Thank you. You know, a lot of times people get on these shows and they just start. But I mean, come on. To, to actually see you doing this, and when you first started and it became a vision, and then it became a hit, I just think, you know, come on, y'all, come on, y'all, yeah. come on. I, I know it ain't drink, Chance, we got no liquor, we
0: got water, but, no, but I, cheers but, to you. Right, I know you, you know, you doing your thing. Now, we did have, we do have options, if you
1: will. Later on, second half. Uh, okay, second, second half. half. Yeah, second yeah. half. Yeah, yeah We do have time.
0: options, we do have options. Man, but in, again, thank you so much for just being here and indulging me uh, with your presence. Man, Ryan, let me tell you, let's see, back in 2001, Yeah. Uh, you had an audition mm-hmm. for the city of Atlanta, right. and that is when our paths crossed. And I remember telling Falana Williams, because I was uh, recently at work at LaFace Red, because I was like, what you know about, you know, Ryan? And what they doing over there at Hot? And she was like, I think you should go for it. And then fast forward, yeah. uh, I, I became one of two co-hosts that you chose. Shout out to our mm-hmm. girl, CJ. CJ,
1: yeah. I
0: mean, but it was a citywide contest. Yeah. Um, and not that this is, a, it's, it's about both of us, But that is when our relationship began. Yeah. Um, What were you looking for and what did you see?
1: Uh, I was basically trying to to, um, add something very Atlanta to the show. And, you know, I felt like we had done a lot of different shows and tried a lot of different people. And so the audition idea came up. It was actually supposed to be, uh, you know, just one person, like you said. But it got down to, I mean, hundreds of people showed up yes. because, I mean, who doesn't want to be on the radio? Because everybody says, oh, yeah, I got a great voice, so people tell me I should be on the radio. And then we got to the last two, and they was like, well, you got to pick one. And I was like, I can't pick one because they both have so many qualities, and we chose both of you. And yeah. it kind of the rest is history. I mean, you look at... Where everybody's gone and, I mean, yeah. come on, man. Yeah. I mean, if I don't know nothing else, I know talent.
0: You, listen, you always say that. You always say that. That's it. But you know what? Uh, we started in radio at the same age, which I think is very synonymous. Mm-hmm. I think it's very, um, I mean, I, I think it's a beautiful thing. We're both 26 years old, but mm-hmm. Mike Roberts saw something in you. Yeah. When you saw something in me. Well, I mean,
1: I got to give credit. It's Mike Roberts and Carol Blackman. Okay. I was working at a video store. And I was doing jokes across the street at Fat Tuesdays, which was Frozen Paradise on Old National, uh, on my lunch hour, which was 11 o'clock because Blockbuster Video stayed open all day. Right. And the final for the uh, Labor Day comedy show, I was in the finals, and Mike and Carol and Bobby Brown were the judges. Wow. And so uh, I lost, but Mike Roberts said... I saw this guy's routine that he won with on the Apollo last night. He had remembered it verbatim. He said, I, I can't say nothing because the crowd picked you up. I mean, he was funny. It was the Apollo. But he said, "Well, so what do you want to do? And I was like, uh, I want to be you know, on the radio. I was on the radio at West Georgia, and I want to be an intern. And he was like, okay, well, come see me tomorrow. I think Labor Day was on that Monday, of course, as always. But Bobby Brown said, uh, hey, man, no matter what this guy wants to do, you should do it because he's very talented. Which uh, always stuck with me. I always said, uh, no matter what, I mean, you know this, we never dragged Bobby Brown, right. or no matter what was going on in his life, because he was the reason that uh, I got the cosign. Wow. And so, new edition is getting a, a star on the uh, Walk of Fame in front of the, the Mercedes Benz Stadium. And I got all of them I got Ronnie, Bobby, Ricky, Mike, Johnny, everybody. And, and, and so, I'm telling a story. Bobby Brown. And I go through the whole thing, like I just told you, in front of everybody. And they're like, what? And then Bobby Brown goes, I I, I don't remember. (laughs) And I was like,
0: (laughs) but it was so funny because
1: sometimes people do stuff in your life and you do so many things and you and I have talked about this. You just don't keep score. Yeah. And it was one of those issues where I felt like he, he co-signed me and he didn't remember but mm. it was a reason that I'm able to sit right here today.
0: Yeah, and the reason I'm you know, able to sit right here today is because I was able to watch you. Now, coming from Florida a and I was on the radio too, and I, you know, I had a gift for interviewing, but to be able to watch you right. interview people uh, really helped to grow me in different areas, and particularly in, in the interviewing space. Well, boy, y'all, you were hard on us though, Ryan.
1: I mean, if you look at anybody who has worked for me or mm-hmm. worked with me and that has become successful, they would always say, you know, if I could survive the the gauntlet of Ryan Cameron, then I can survive anywhere. Maybe. Yeah.
0: I am here to tell you that because,
1: sure. again, I've always told people, and you were no exception. There is nobody that is going to out- outwork me, right? Yes. So, and and that even is even in play now with this national syndication thing. Yeah. We had a big meeting. We had to present to everybody else, and I got up in front of all the people. I said. Everybody that's on the radio right now, be it Steve Harvey, Ricky Smiley, D.L. Hughley, whoever it is, they all were on my show first. Mm. And it's a reason why they don't ever have me come in and sub or while they're on vacation. Right. Uh i.e. Sherry Shepherd. You know, you Listen. don't you don't want everyone to have a Wendy Williams moment. You yeah. know what? Let's get Sherry Shepard. next thing you know. She takes your show. I mean,
0: not like that. But, but I'm know. just saying, like
1: yeah. sometimes and I and I felt okay with that. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I felt like if I just kept doing what I needed to do eventually, you know, they would come along and, and that's where we are.
0: And, you know, and, and there have been several opportunities that have come and gone and for you to get this again. What does it mean for you to get this <laughs> at this point of your life and the level of appreciation that you have for it now as opposed to then?
1: Well, I sat at the table um, and and told all the, the big wigs. I said, I've been down this road before. I said, I was supposed to suffer this person, I was supposed to suffer this person. Had deals in place and then things happened. Came home one day and, and told my wife at the time, we get ready to move to L.A., and, and none of it ever happened. So I told him, I said, you know, I don't care what y'all say, I ain't doing nothing until the press release comes out. Yeah. Because, you know, once the ink is dry, then you can't walk it back. Yeah. You know, but for me at this point, and Monica Kaufman sent me a, a text, you know, the legendary uh, broadcaster. She said, you remember you retired? She said, you had left the game. Yeah. She said, what is it? I mean. I remember that. You, you came back. <laughs> And now you got syndicated. She say, so it just shows that, you know, there was a higher purpose for you because you had quit. And Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what, Monica, I never thought about it like that. And uh, so to see this at this stage of the career, and I always say, you know, dreams don't have deadlines. That's a LL Cool J from his book, but I I agree with that 100%. Yeah,
0: you know, there have been several people who have given me great advice. one was Wayne K. Brown. Mm. He said, Whatever you do in this Rest business, in don't ever get lost. Man, right. missed that guy and all the great parties we used to go to. He was the life of the party. But you, because I grew up in Decatur, I mean my you know, eating out was like red lobster on Candler Road. No there was doubt. no, you know, it, it wasn't no we, we grew up in a middle class home. But mm-hmm. when you took me, CJ and Nikini and Tanya Clackham, also known as Beyonce, Beyonce wishes to Ruth Chris right. on Lennox Road, mm-hmm. you said, act like you've been there. Right. Where did you learn that from? And it, it's not just a statement. It's it's really like how you are supposed to show up, and what made you say that to us in that
1: moment? I think that you know, a, a lot of times people of color, and and even CJ, we have been kind of suffering from PTSD all of our lives, you know? We can all leave here and have the same experience, but if the police pull me over, or one of these cameramen, or somebody here that's black, that's a guy, we're gonna have a totally different experience, yeah. right? So going into restaurants with the white tablecloths and and the, and the good silverware, and, and saying, you know, this is the, when you look at, I will tell people in my foundation, it's a B and a D, right? This is for the bread and this is for the drink because you'll sit down and you'll know, is this my bread or this my drink? It's almost one of those things where even when you walk into a store, you kind of walk with your hands behind your back because you don't want to be accused of shoplifting. Mm-hmm. Like it's all those things that you got to think about when you're in a situation where like I've been here before. I belong at this table and you're going to have to treat me with respect because here I am in my dollar, no matter what color I am, the money's still green.
0: Yeah, you also took us to Turks and Caicos.
1: Come on, man. When
0: we, we, like, well, you, you showed us the world. Why was it so important for you to show us that? I mean, I guess that's in alignment with this, you know, this, the question I just asked. But right. you didn't have to do those things. And on that trip, you told us, hey, these contract negotiations aren't going well, guys. You need to be prepared for anything. We were like, man, the show gonna go on. We're gonna be straight. But we weren't.
1: Right. I, I felt... Um when things started to go astray. And and most of the time in Atlanta, anything that I'm doing is going to uh, be some kind of headline, you know, because I've been here so long and I kind of feel like people respect me and what I've done in the community. But as far as that particular instance, I just knew that it was going to come down to money and terms. And the station at that point was not making the money that they are now. And it was kind of like, okay, so what are you going to do? And I was just like, well, uh, I'll show you, and I kind of wanted to give you guys everything that I was doing was trying to. It's almost like the the baby bird that gets pushed out of the nest, right? So I know that I'm gonna have to fly one day, but I don't want to say that because I don't know how I was gonna go. But I just felt like it was not going in the right direction.
0: Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And, and shortly thereafter, things did change. I mean, and you had to leave, but it took a lot of guts to be able to leave the station that you prim- primarily, I mean, essentially built. As far as, I mean, I you were part of... I don't were, know
1: if it was guts because okay. I was walking on the beach in Miami and Sid Mel S.D. Sumter, who mm-hmm, was a pr- mm-hmm. pr- producer at uh, Fox, called me and said, so what you going to do? And I was like, I don't know, I'm just walking down the beach. And the next thing I know, it was like, Ryan Cameron says he don't care, he's just going to walk down the beach. And oh, they wow. called my agent and they was like, yo, they just withdrew the offer. And I was like, what? They said, "You you don't seem to be serious about it. And I was like, because I said I was walking down the beach, but it also... Let me know that a lot of relationships are transactional, right? Mm. And she was a producer who called me as a friend and said, "Hey, how's things going?" I said, "I'm just walking out." And next thing you know, it's on the news. Oh, wow! So I had to recognize that, you know, you are, you know, people always tell you, "I'm sure don't put this, don't put this on the podcast, right? Right? right. Don't put me on the radio." Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where I had to go into that mode, but it actually uh, was the end because the the general manager at that time was like, "Oh, well, just pull the offer." So. Uh, My agent, may he rest in peace, Norm Shrutt, says it's always got to be, are you willing to walk away in anything that you do in life, no matter what it is? Because you may be saying to yourself, you know, I don't know if I want to do this, but are you willing to walk away? And when he said, you know, they withdrew the offer, what do you want me to do? I was like, well, I guess we out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, later on, obviously you went over across the street and had great success there. And then, you know. Can
1: I say something about that? absolutely. I think... I cannot separate myself from what happened at V because that's where I got my start. Yeah. And even going back there. And even people to this day, if they don't, it's it's a very loyal fan base. Mm -hmm. And people always say, man, what you doing now, man? And they don't know I've been on radio and on a number one show for four years because they're loyal to that because their children and their children's children have all grown up with that station. So I don't discount the station itself. Now, the management is a totally different story. But I'm saying back then, for the start, uh, with with what happened with Mike and Carol and, of course, with, um, you know, the beginning that mm-hmm. I married Catherine Sneed, all those people are near and dear to my heart, you yeah. know. But I just... You know, I feel like now I'm able to, there's a, a uh, the Netflix book and the founder talks about the fact that you have to be able to trust your employees or your colleagues in this instance to drive the train and you have to know that they're not going to take it off the track.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I sat
1: down with my program director in my and my GM and I said, listen, man, I got two Hall of Fame rings. Y'all ain't got to worry about me. Yeah. Just let me do me. Yeah. And they agreed and, and we had that success. But you almost have to, be there to vouch for yourself because a lot of times I'm sure you've been in meetings, and if you don't have a representation, you're kind of outnumbered. Yeah, and so I just felt like I'm not gonna, you know, here's y'all already know what I do, I'm here to do what I do, and that's the way it all yeah. kind of played out.
0: Yeah, and then obviously, uh, when you left, I, I, I took over, mm-hmm. um, which was uh, painful and scary at first because you, you talk about a girl who. Who has a degree in this, but also won a contest? So we had to spend those years, those first few years, with you proving ourselves right. that we were, you know, ready to be there. Um, that you know that 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 transaction and, and that period went, and then I had an opportunity to come back with you. Yeah. And in all full transparency, that was probably the the hardest year in my in my radio life um, mm-hmm. coming to V, because I I don't know I think I've told you this, um, but having come from being you know essentially your sidekick, to having run my own show, to coming back to doing traffic, mm-hmm. that that was humbling. And that year was hard because V was a different experience for me. In management, there used to be a number one. I'm in the program meeting. I was like, y'all ain't clapping for number one because we were across the street, and when we would get number three and number four, we having a celebration. Yeah. So that was different. In that year that we were together. Um,
1: Which is kind of why they are in the position they're in now. Yeah. Because... Uh, I remember somebody, Steve Kuhn, as a matter of fact, telling me, if you, you know, wanting to be number one on demographics from 6 to 64 years old. And they said, if you had a, a table full of toys, right, or a table full of things right here, and a 6-year-old and a 64-year-old walked in here, they're not going to pick up the same things. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, you know, asinine for you to think that everybody's going to love all things. And you're trying to super serve everybody. And it's just not a model that can work today. Yeah. And it's and it's not working.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know. I heard. Um, <laughs>
1: Is that bad? Yeah, I mean, no. It's the I mean, truth. you gotta be able to to reinvent yourself and also to see what is being what's happening in this space. And you bring along people that are, are are hip and and you try things. And if it doesn't work, you try something else. Yeah. But you just you gotta give people a chance to grow.
0: Yeah, yeah, that. And you did. You you allowed me to to grow because after that year, I, I we had our relationship was just it was still us, but it was just different. You yeah. know. Um, and I know that management was ready to part ways with me, and I was ready to part ways with the show. And, and y'all gave me the opportunity to to speak about it on air, which is unheard of in radio. Nobody
1: gets that. Nobody. It, gets it's that. It's always a, a good luck on your future endeavors. Absolutely. And that 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 two paragraph memo. Yeah. And then in some cases they'll walk you out the building.
0: Yeah. Oh, I, that happened to me over at the other station. Yeah. I done got fired twi- uh, three times. Mm. I don't think you're successful until you get let go. Yeah. 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 So what made you? Uh, what uh, what what made you? say yes to me being able to talk on the radio the very next day. Do you remember that?
1: Yeah. I remember, um, it might have been before that or after that, where there's always this thing. It's such an old school way of operating where everybody in the room knows that you're going to be let go except you, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then the management kind of, they used to tell us, okay, uh, at 10 o'clock, Go to lunch yeah. or leave the building mm-hmm. and all. And I was like, man, I, I'm I'm tired of this. This is so it's played. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Y'all are lame for this. So I I thought that it was a chance, and I saw it on on uh, YouTube the other day. It was like Rashawn Ali's final show or yes. goodbye or whatever. <laughs> right, right. I mean, that was you know it was one of those things where I felt like you deserved that kind of uh, send off, and you were able to express yourself. It was a, it was a no-brainer.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. And all those things, praise God, have come true. So yeah. that's a beautiful thing. Um, Ryan Cameron Uncensored. Now that's what you, you the syndicated show. How you feeling, man? I know it's, I mean, it's very
1: beginning. It's been Ryan Cameron Uncensored for so many things. Um, <laughs> I, I was talking to, uh, to to Jody Gomes, who, mm-hmm. you know, we were the first show on Stars that was uh, actually that was not just a movie, right? So Ryan Cameron Uncensored, which aired on Stars, was were doing that's. very well, and then they decided to do the, do Crash. And when they decided to do Crash, then that got rid of us, which led to all these other things and power and all these other. So I saw the president of, of uh, Stars like, maybe a year ago, and yeah. I was like, you know, we were the first show on Stars. Didn't nobody know what Stars was, mm-hmm. you know, but it Dang, was like Ryan...
0: We, we shot it in the club. We shot it in the club. It was
1: it was Ryan Cameron on <laughs> Censored then So right. we've been we've been doing Ryan, you know, the, the label ain't going nowhere. Right, right. You know, so.
0: <laughs> you know, you've always been big on, you know, diversifying your your portfolio and how, portfolio and, and kind of how you show up in the world yeah. as far as business and all of those types of things. And now you now you have a restaurant. Right. And I remember hearing Erica on your show, and I was like, he surely is asking a lot of questions. And next thing I know, you, you, you have this franchise well, now. Well,
1: it, it, it kind of, I mean. Yeah, how,
0: did it, how did it all play out?
1: Again, you never know how a relationship is going to evolve based on how you treat people. Yeah. So apparently, Bobby Brown, which is a, a running joke on my show, if I ever say, here's a Bobby Brown moment, Eric was like, I went down to, to Soku in, in Birmingham, and we were all sitting there, and all these this food started coming to the table. And I was like, hey, man, I ain't, you know, I ain't, ain't ordering order all reality. this. Right. And then they was like, no, 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 Chef Erica sent this over. And she was on the wall with Oprah and all these different things. And I was like, word? And then she came over and she was like, you interviewed me like eight years ago. And she said, me and my mom actually did something on your, and I was like, Bobby Brown. I was like, <laughs> I, I don't remember. And yeah. she was like, uh, I just wanted to thank you. And then she said, I got a pizza concept out here in the Pizzit's food hall that I want to show you. He so says, it's a smart oven. You know, everything is, uh, is kiosk, and you do it at a, a, a you know, you walk up, and it's a touchscreen, and it was 125 square feet. And it was a line
0: out the, just, out the door.
1: And I was like, she said, I'm thinking about franchise." It was very matter-of-fact. I'm thinking about franchises. And I was like, right? And she was like, yeah. I said, well, you know, if we can call it Ryan Cameron's doorboard, we should do one in Atlanta. And she was like, okay, let's do it. And it was one of those things well, you hear people all the time say let's do something mm-hmm. and they just be air. But we started the conversation in September and we opened Super Bowl weekend.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. been going great.
1: It's been going it's been amazing.
0: Yeah. It's Are you the amazing. first franchise?
1: I am. Yeah. I wow. Am. Yeah, but yeah. So since we opened, uh, she sold eleven other ones. Really? Yeah. Trying to get you to come on in. I know I are not. Trying to get you to come on in and get some, you know. I didn't text you about kusado. it. Listen,
0: or some Rashad Ali. <laughs> Rashad you, Ali, though. You know do. what I'm saying? You already got the cater online. I had to bring it down to Cobb. So we would switch cities. Do what you do. Switch cities. Yeah. So, you know, Ryan, you're not a, a real emotional guy. Mm-hmm. I know how you deflect. You're very good at that. Um, but there was a time where, you know, I, I had to, uh, I took over your radio show when you you went through a very, very serious. Yeah, you can do
1: like you can say like, "Hi, Jamie Fox has done it." I mean, the whoever created that narrative and, and shout out to uh, my publicist Raquel. Mm-hmm. But whoever created that narrative of just saying health scare, mm-hmm. everybody took it, and they and they and they allowed that to just resonate, you yeah. know, because people were speculating or whatever. But when it came to me, um, I went for a basic procedure, and I didn't know this until later on that a lot of times when people uh, go into hospitals, you know, sepsis is a very, very real thing that happens to a lot of people. After uh, I had my, my episode, there were people that was like, oh man, my grandmother had that, or my grandfather passed through that, and all these different things. So what happened was, I got out uh, and had a procedure in, um, in February, right? But I had gone into sepsis, then I went into septic shock. I was actually septic doing basketball games and and did not know it. I was actually, and one thing about sepsis, I I tell people all the time is if you ever feel like I feel like I'm about to die, that is one of the main like symptoms. Unlike other things where it happens gradually, sepsis changes every hour. So by the time I presented to St. Joseph's on Easter weekend of 2020, um, it had shut down, I had a uh, collapsed lung, I had blood clots, I had, um, you know, my, my father had a, a heart defect that I inherited, so they had uh, affected my, my heart valve, which was already, I had uh, some issues with that as well, but also, I mean, it was, uh, my kidneys had failed, Every, all these things had happened, so I just remember going into the hospital, and at that point, they just had to put me in a medically induced coma and a lot of people don't know this, I had to learn how to walk. I didn't know how to, I mean, my body was so weak, I had to learn how to walk all over again. And anybody who's ever been in the hospital, they have this little white belt that they tie around you and they help pull you up, you know what I'm saying? So uh, a good day for me was two steps. If I could do two steps and then lay back in the bed, but the, the, the clots that were happening in my legs were so intense and so strong, that I stayed up, and I remember there was a, a window out of my hospital bed, right? And I stayed up, and I watched the sun go down, and the sun come up, and the sun go down, and it, the pain. I could not sleep. That's how intense the pain was. So when the doctors finally came in there, you know, Saint Joseph is a is a teaching hospital. So it's like, you know, nine, ten people come in because they're trying to, you know, teach everybody. And I was like, Lo, yo, I can't go to sleep. That's all. Like, oh, OK, we'll, 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 we'll give you this and help you go to sleep or whatever. But I remember one of the, the, the real times that happened was you and L, uh, Duncan all got together and y'all were kind of like, you know, doing a prayer circle and, 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 and lifting me up. I, I definitely think that Atlanta saved my life for yeah, sure. Yeah. But the one thing I will say is I did not know that I was dying. So, after not knowing you were dying and almost dying, I have no fear of death. Huh. None. Because I didn't know. So, you know, because it's the, the fear of the unknown. But going into that, and I remember waking up one time and there was a chaplain. Oh, Lord. In the back. And he was, like, talking to me. And I was like, "What you, what, what are you doing here? <laughs> right? Yeah. But later on, you know, if you got the chaplain in your room, you don't, you don't know what's about to happen. Right, right. So is is it over fun- God? No, the, the funniest part was this. <laughs> I thought I had already come out of it. Uh-huh. I already come out of the coma, and they had me in a wheelchair, and the, and the lady was like, you want to go outside? And I was like, yeah. And they, but it was so bright. They put a blanket over my head, and I was like, E.T. They were wheeling me around. I was like, E.T. going up and down. And then the, the chaplain was talking to my kids on FaceTime, and I was giving this whole you know, uh, soliloquy about, you know, y'all take care of each other and all this, and not knowing that I had passed all that. And the, and the chap was in the background like this. <laughs> I like, whatever y'all do, <laughs> stick together. And he was like. <laughs> wow. Like, he's already passed all that.
0: Right. Yeah, because yeah, I would, listen, I would. I was literally in the trenches with the entire family because your, your oldest daughter, Ryan Megan, had to like I had to help her prepare almost something that Corinne had to. to, to. That's why
1: when I saw what Corinne did, yeah. I said, "Forget all the people who think they know what's going on." And and people are I mean I've had even doctors ask me about Fox. You know like Hey, what's going on?" I said, "Listen, if Corinne is his daughter and they are together every day, that's why she had to come in and shut it down. Like yeah. listen, yeah, enough is enough." And I felt like my daughter was my oldest, and I appreciate you helping oh, her out, because yeah, it was all kinds of stuff that people were Baby, saying. Maybe
0: people were calling me. I was like... Because they just nosy.
1: Well, they want to know. But then they're nosy, too. Well, that part, too. I mean, I went from... I went from um, I think I had 90,000 followers on on Instagram, and then when I went into the hospital and came out, I had 112,000 followers. I was like, hmm, what did I post while I was in that coma? Because <laughs> <laughs> whatever it was, it right, must have been great. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but listen, I remember, and and we're gonna, you know, leave this in a second. But I, I was calling you. I had called you twice, right? um, Because I just got let go from Sister Circle. Sister Circle was over, okay. And I was like, I don't want to hear. Let him. I don't want him to hear this in the media. Yeah. I called you twice, and I was like,
1: This ain't "Mm, right. Yeah. This ain't
0: right. Uh I was like, He always hit me back. Right. So I called your producer Sam. I was like, Hey, man, is Ryan okay? He was like, He paused. He was like. Hey, I got to tell you something, but you can't say and like and he, I said, oh, my God. And then I called Derek Harper the next day. Something was on my heart. I said, I told him, and I don't know if I ever told you this. I said, if anybody can hold a city down while he's sick, it's me. Yeah. And 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 literally he called me back maybe that, that night, and I started on that Monday. I got yeah. let go from Sister Circle on that Thursday. You went in the hospital that Easter weekend. Mm-hmm. I was on your air 10 o'clock. I mean, the 2 o'clock and that that's next just the next
1: day. I mean, that's just a, a a testament to how comfortable you felt representing what we've been, you know, known as a friendship for for so many years. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, you know, again, if it had been some other people, they probably would have said no. But it was, a, again, something that, why not? We built it. We built it.
0: You saw it. Yeah. We saw it. Exactly. I'm appreciative, man, because now, you know, I can tell you about my little rocket mortgage, and you you know what I'm saying. Oh, talk, it's a fish.
1: Can we talk about it we now? We talk about it. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's here. It's on radio. It's, on, it's, it's everywhere now, so Good. I'm grateful. That, for you that. know,
1: that's the thing about it. You know, I remember uh, somebody telling me one time, you got to be able to have conversations with people who it's not going to be that big of a deal to because they've done those type of things mm-hmm. before, right? So I remember uh, somebody saying, you know, you can't have a million-dollar conversation with everybody. You know what I'm saying? It's just not going to work because, you know, I don't know if it's in the dictionary or not, but I think well, my friend Jerry Clark told me they call it uh, congratulators. Ooh. You know, um, the congratulator is is who's like, kind of happy for you, but kind of yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. And you know, what's up with your little rocket commercial? Little, you know what I'm saying? It's uh-huh, gonna be something like that. Uh-huh. And I think the German term is uh, a schadenfreude. Where well, schadenfreude means that you get joy out of watching other people fail. That is you, you actually like, you be like, yeah, I'm glad it didn't work. I'm glad it didn't come back. You know, because you're so envious and want to be in that spot. Yeah. So I think, you know, being able to have the conversation that you and I have had over the years, and say, well, don't say nothing about this, and then watching it happen. And then I, I always just sit back and go, oh, that's interesting. Well, that's good for her. But yeah. I already knew, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great, man. Ryan Cameron Foundation, uh, I've modeled so much of my life after you. I started Sporty Girls because you showed me how I was on the board of Ryan Cameron Foundation, mm-hmm. volunteered, and you are still going strong. Father-daughter dance. What year yeah. is this? It, well,
1: you know, we had the, the yeah, COVID, COVID years not – you can't have 10 strangers sitting there breathing on each other. Yeah. That ain't going to go. That's not going to go over well. So um, <laughs> we had to take a break, but this is year 17. Uh started when Ryan was four, and she'll be 25 later on is, this month.
0: Wow. How do you feel about that? You
1: no, know, she's, uh, she's very much in her space of, uh, you know, psychology, behavioral sciences, and is getting her master's degree. Uh, my son is... Um, about to start an internship at the White House. What? Um, Yep.
0: Come on, Katie, really?
1: Because um, the woman who was in charge of budget and finance, I met her when I took my mom to the Christmas party at the White House, and there was this one person They was like, oh, you got to meet one more person. Somebody else that really wants to meet you. And I was like, okay, okay. And she was like, this is so funny. This is a Bobby Brown moment. She says, it was Morris Brandon School in 1995. You had on a brown shirt and some brown pants, and you came and spoke to the school. And Listen. I was just like, Bobby Brown. <laughs> uh, but she said, if there's ever anything that you may want to do, and I said, my son is in, and she said, well, it's a tedious application process, and da-da-da-da-da, but if he submits, we'll get him an interview, and if he does well in the interview, then we can rock and roll. And that's what happened. He got the interview, he killed it, and he starts next month in the wow. White House.
0: That is so good.
1: Yeah, man. Relationships. Was,
0: the relationships. And you told me, again, it's always, it, it just points back to those, you know, some people don't have to say say it, you just, you kind of, you have led by example, but you, you would hit the schools. And I, there is not a school in this, in the metro Atlanta area, the majority of these schools I visited mm-hmm. because I saw you do it and we would go together. And then even when we parted when we weren't working together, I was still going to these schools and that came back yeah. for you in this moment, for your son. And it's
1: going to come back for you too. Somebody is going to remember something that you said and it's going to come back later on. And you'll never know. They may be the person who's in charge of... I remember having a conversation once with uh, a a guy who was at, at V, who was a, a white salesman, who nobody wanted to mess with because it was the most urban station and they kind of, you know, poo-pooed on him. And, you know, but I was like, man, I like Ryan. We got the same name. And we started working together on clubs and stuff like that. And maybe a year, maybe two years ago, I got a, a LinkedIn message. Say, Hey, man, what's going on? And I, I reached out to him, and he is in charge of, I think, 500 employees at American Financing. Wow. And he was like, you know, you ever thought of Because they had Rush Limbaugh, uh, Sean Hannity, oh. um, Peyton Manning. They had never done anything with anybody black. And he says, I'm thinking about doing something. Would you consider it? And I was like, sure. And it turned into being one of the most lucrative um, businesses for my foundation as well as myself, but it all, again, that relationship, while everybody mm-hmm. else was like, nah, 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 Not the white boy, the yeah. white boy was like, nah, 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 and he remembered Ryan. Dang. Yeah.
0: Full circle. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, w- what you know, what's next for Ryan? I know Ryan Cameron uncensored, obviously, but I mean, you never stop dreaming. Yacht dreams, you That's never right. stop dreaming. Um, you never give up on yourself, which is what what I love the most. I know you have your vulnerable moments when you're by yourself uh, that nobody gets to see. But where do where, where where is it? Or do you are you one of those people that keeps just keeps going and, and let it flow to you? No.
1: Okay. I, I mean, what I've learned, and again, I always want to shout out anybody who is um, gone through anything by having somebody who's a therapist in their life, right? And so. When I got let go by the Hawks, and I can honestly say Oof. that now without saying, you know, they didn't renew my contract. Now they decided that they wanted to do something else. And I was having Ryan Cameron nights and all kinds of things like this, and, and it wasn't like basketball anymore. It was like Ryan Cameron was not ever going to be big as the brand, but it was almost like they wanted to go back to the basketball, which I totally understood. But you just can't replace one bald-head guy with another bald-head guy mm-hmm. and think that's going to work because mm-hmm. that ain't how it works because you can't teach passion. Yeah. Right? So – once I, I left that and started going to my therapy sessions, I was like, man, I'm ready to, to settle down, and 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 I, I need a woman, and, you know, I just come off this divorce. And my, my therapist, who never wants to be named, uh, she said to me, because um, she's very spiritually based, she said, so who would want to date you? And I said, whoa. What do you mean? She said, well, you, you go from basketball which is 42 games and then you go to football and then you go to radio and then you go to your appearances and then when you have a week off that's when you want to date somebody she said what woman would ever want to do that and i I hung up and i was like right." i mean our first three sessions i cried after every one because she was basing it all on spirituality and this that you can't you can't have all these things and not build a bridge with God. And I had separated myself from the church because I had gone to, and I'm not gonna say the church, I was I was so in love with this pastor, and she's passed on. I was so in love. And when I used to walk to the church, it was a huge hill, right? And I would see elderly people walking down and I was oh man, somebody gonna fall down that hill, and it's gonna be a problem. So I went out and I bought a golf cart. I was like, oh, they're going to drive the golf cart, and they started doing it. And I went to church one day, and I was all proud or whatever, and somebody in the the church was like, oh, you bought them golf carts? I was like, yeah. They was like, yeah. People say you should have bought two. Now I was like, okay. And it just kind of – and we talked about it. She was like, you still got to go for the message. Sometimes, again, these congratulators, it keeps coming up, will will pop up in your life, and it will make you kind of – Second guess or, or, or second guess or question yourself, and I just felt like I needed that 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 reiteration from her to say, as long as you're, you know, and she was like my grandmother. It was one of those things where she was like, you know, if things are starting to go really wrong with your life, my grandmother would always say, mm, you need to be in somebody's church, mm-hmm. and and not online, not on your phone, but physically in, in the church. The church, and once I started doing that, I started seeing a change. And, you know, sometimes they say, you know, you'll ask God for a thimble full of blessings and he'll give you a barn full yeah. and, and you won't be ready. You like, you'll like you pray for something, you'll get it, but then you don't go back to, to thank him, yeah. right? And so even right now, my kids, whenever, I mean, like before we started this, we'll be the only people in a restaurant that will bless the food holding our hands because I don't know if the people are intimidated by it or they don't want to be seen or judged or whatever, but now I'm in a restaurant business, you better bless this food. Right. <laughs> Knowing yeah. what I know yeah. and seeing what I see in the back and what's going on in these health scores, man, you you better bless every morsel. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What was a moment outside of the the, the sepsis scare and all of that um, that bent you but did not break you? I'm, I'm sure your separation from who was once your you know, best friend, I'm sure that that did, but how... Have you become this version of Ryan Cameron after all
1: of that? I mean, I I think for me um, that was a, a, a huge part of my life. Yeah. Right. It was a major uh, decision that I had to deal with, and there was a moment I remember. And I told this to somebody the other day. I was I had the apothecaries, right, which you put your little dollars and your coins in, and I was shaking them all out, pulling out those dollars. Cause I didn't know how I was gonna pay my light bill. Wait, wait, wait. I was in, I was in a uh, a six bedroom house in Buckhead, and I had gotten divorced and I and I had a had readjusted my life, but I wanted to prove to myself I'm gonna go back to where I lived and I'm gonna go back to where my marital house and I'm gonna pay it. And I had decided to leave radio and leave all that money because it was like. I'm going to lose my sanity working here at this place because I cannot stand the micromanaging. And so once that happened, and I was like, I remember going to my, you know, because we all got our accounts. I remember going to my account, and everything was red. Everything was red. What? There was no nothing in the black. And I was just like, man, I don't think. And actually, I tell people, when you're going through that dark moment, you should videotape it. I have so many moments that I didn't think I was gonna make it, and I go back and I'm like, "Oh my God, man, you made it through that." Yeah. Because it's just a, it's just a reflection of where you are and where you have gone in your life. So when I was going through that, because they was like, "Man, uh, they're gonna probably foreclose on this house," and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna make the news." Yeah. Or this is gonna make the papers, and then the pandemic happened, and so they started doing these forgiveness and all that, and we eventually. Uh, were able to, to sell the house, and, you know, the people got it for a steal, but I'm sure they walk around there now, and they they glad, but I walk around there, and I drive past them like, whew, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it's one of those moments where pride almost got the best of me, you know, and, and where I live now, uh, the the way that I operate, I like being in the background because in the city now, city that you and I have grown up to know and love, yeah, yeah. it's a different city so now. Different. These people don't want to work. They just want to take, yeah. and they don't care what they need to do to do it. Yeah. yeah, Damn. Yeah, man. I never told that story. Nope. I, I never, I mean, people <laughs> this, don't, because they, they think as personalities that when you're going through something like, that was bad. It was bad.
0: Because I know, like, I used to reap the benefits when of, of, you, of you being in the black, <laughs> you know? So to hear that you were, like, everything was in every, the red?
1: Every account. Every account. And I was one of those in the position where um, I just wanted my children to not have to de- live a different life, right? And going back on it now and and knowing uh, what they've become, I haven't really looked back on it because I felt like, Because of my failure in marriage, and I remember, oh, one of my spiritual advisors told me this. He was like, you do know you failed, right?
0: I mean, do you call it failure, though?
1: Yeah, I mean, because the way that, you know, it transpired and probably we probably shouldn't have stayed married that long. A lot of people don't know. I mean, I proposed. We weren't even together. My therapist was like, who does that? Who proposed to somebody they not even seeing? But I was in the mindset of, if I ain't gonna have you, I don't want nobody else to have you. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to do, I'm willing to bet it all on this relationship, which made absolutely no sense. Got some beautiful children out of it. And, uh, you know, things have progressed to a better space. Good. But at that time, it just it just didn't, it didn't make any sense. Wow. But you like, gotta be able to reflect on these things yeah,
0: now. Yeah, 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 that's good.
1: That is so good.
0: Well, at West Georgia, you decided to become a man of Kappa Alpha Psi, Fraternity Incorporated. Did K.A. Psi choose you, or did you choose the brothers of K.A. Psi?
1: So, I was working at Six Flags Uh um, in merchandise. And, you know, we had the the outfit on, and two of the brothers that I knew, Collis uh, Johnson and Tony Miller, also worked at Six Flags. And they was just the coolest dude. I was still in high school. I was in high school working at Six Flags. And I remember walking up to them one day, like, yeah. I'm going to pledge kappa. Oh, the the thing you don't do. And they was like, oh, word? And then I got down to West Georgia as a fourth quarter freshman, because that's all I was thinking about was I was going to pledge kappa, pledge kappa. And when that happened, man, I think that it was one of those things where it changed my life, but also it kind of made me realize that I wasn't going to do pretty well in college. College wasn't, you
0: know. It wasn't your thing. Me and college
1: wasn't laughing at the same jokes.
0: No. Did you ever finish?
1: Finish?
0: (laughs) Finish? No. No. (laughs) So it makes you feel good that, like, your your children are... I mean, yeah, because
1: they've all done very well. Like I said, I mean, they're very talented, but, I mean... I keep saying one of these, you know, one of these honorary degrees is going to fall out in the sky one day. You know what I'm saying? I don't care where it's from. It it, it, it could be from the heating and air conditioning school. I'll be there. You'll be there. You know, and the doctorate in Freon (laughs) goes to Ryan Cameron. Yes,
0: Freon, everything is great. Well, let me just take this opportunity publicly to, uh, you know, really, I say say it all the time in our private conversations and when I give speeches that, you know, Ryan is, is my vessel. Thank you for choosing me. I appreciate that because although I had to do the work, yeah. Nothing was nothing is given. Nothing is free. And anybody who has
1: come along, be it you, Ludacris, Lala, Monica, uh, you know, who uh, Beyoncé, L, whatever, <laughs> CJ all, you of us. all had the talent. You know what I'm saying? I think that for a lot of people, even the people who are gonna be watching this later on, is somebody out there who's sitting at a desk who knows they can do it, but they're afraid. And 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 I know that that, that phrase stepping out on faith is very much used a lot, but a lot of times, especially when you have the window of opportunity, mm-hmm. you got to be able to do that because you want to say that you tried. Yes. You don't ever want to be the person that says, yeah, well, you know. I wanted uh, to. I, I, I should have went on and did it. Like, I mean, I got a friend, he, he still, he, man, 49 years old, still making beats. I mean. Man, I mean, I make mean. them beats, bro, but go to work. Yeah.
0: But thank you. I appreciate you like, you know, giving a player an opportunity. He said, he looked at my resume, he said, you always been the bridesmaid and never the bride, huh? I said, well, thank you for the opportunity. Well, I mean, because
1: this is a a leapfrog generation, right? Mm -hmm. At least you had some stability. I did. What you're saying now is this Generation Z, they they do two years and they jump. Mm -hmm. If you can get somebody for more than two years, they must really like it because they have a goal in mind. And my children are so different than anything I've ever imagined, where they have no— I almost feel like we didn't take up the torch of, of being more defiant in what we wouldn't tolerate. Like, my daughter and, and my son, when they don't like something— They did. They'd be down there. The first one protesting, the first person speaking up— I remember my daughter, the, the man was coming to change the aquarium water, and he was talking to somebody, and he was like— but yeah, I know you're a lady, and I know you don't know what you're doing about this. And Kai came downstairs. She was like, what did you just say? <laughs> and she was like 18. Yeah. And she was like, ah, that's very disrespectful. She's like, you know, you don't know what a woman can do. I was like, mm. Mm. And then the older one is like Ryan X. I mean, she'll be down there giving all kinds of speeches. And then Kaden will like, he'll do whatever he needs to do, but just don't get him upset. So, I mean, I feel like we probably could have been a little bit more vocal. Yeah. Because, you know, when they talk about the story of Dr. King, I mean, they was all, like, 26. They was mm-hmm. around my age. Mm-hmm. You know what was mm-hmm. And Andy Young always says, we were just four get-down brothers from the country who just wanted to come out and make, make life better for everybody. And I was just like, we kind of didn't really do that. I mean, we did. But on the radio, we've been able to do a lot. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Because I think the voices that we're able to amplify, you know, I'm getting ready to do this podcast called Amplify Color, talks mm-hmm. about the history of black radio mm-hmm. from the very beginning. And I was telling this story at the, the presentation the other day. So Auburn Avenue had the Masonic Temple. You had Madam C.J. Walker on the first floor. Then you had W.E.R.D. on the third floor. The S.C.L.C. was on the second floor. So you had Jack Gibson, who became Jack the Rapper, yeah. who was on the radio, and he'd be playing the music or whatever, and all of a sudden, somebody from the S.C.L.C., Martin would be like this, and he'd have a broom or something, and he would start knocking on the, on the roof. On the ceiling, yeah. So that would let Jack Gibson know that the civil rights was about to go somewhere else and have a march. And they would lower the microphone down, and Dr. King would be on the radio to everybody. And that's what people always knew where to come, right? So the phrase, word up, came from them saying, yo, we got to get word up to the radio station. What? That we got this march going on. It's one of those things, I mean, it is an incredible uh, journey for black people to have been doing all these things we've done but yeah got to get worried up that's so, crazy and even you look at some of the lyrics from the when Larry Blackman, he said you know when you when hear mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. call, the call is heard or something like that when you hear the call you something, something it's word. it's kind of in there because he's born in 1958 you know it's it's like you know, it's it's for real yeah
0: yeah Dang. that's history right there that's real history you know and you are history thank you and you are legendary and I, say, I can say the same about myself because I came from under your tutelage and I'm forever grateful, I'm forever indebted. I say it all the time. Uh, no matter what, you're my big brother forever. Thank you, I love you. I love you too. That is it, y'all. Ryan Cameron, everybody.